We are 14 days away from the World Cup final, which means we are 14 days away from the Managing Madrid podcast in Toronto. A few hours after the World Cup final, we are recording a show in person downtown Toronto. We are going to meet a bunch of Maridistas we haven't met yet. We are going to reconnect with a bunch of Maridistas we met in Toronto beforehand last year when we did a podcast today, which was also epic. And this one's going to be epic. We are giving away signed stuff from Luis Figo, Luka Modric is going to be official La Liga swag given away. It's going to be a ton of fun. And look, a lot of people grew up in small towns around the world like me. And didn't really have many Real Madrid fans to connect to. Well, that's changed. Everywhere we go, every podcast we do around the world, it's a chance for other Madridistas to connect with each other and network, and a lot of friendships are made. So if you're in Toronto, if you're in Ontario, if you're in Canada, I know someone who's coming from Vancouver for the show. So if you're anywhere in Canada, make the trip, book your spot to our Toronto podcast. Link is in the show notes. Go and do that right now. Go and do that ASAP. Uh, before spots get filled up because we're almost there. Coming up is a France versus Poland post-game show, mostly about Chiumeni, but we also explored other France stuff, which were fascinating. And uh, kick back, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and let's get started here with Derek Ray and Ray Hudson. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani, and I'm joined by Jose Perez. And I'm recording this some 15 minutes or so after France comfortably disposed of Poland 3-1 and advanced to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And we're going to break down primarily Chuomeni's performance. And I predict this will be a relatively straightforward, seamless, easy, effortless podcast, much like France's performance was because Chuomeni only played 65 minutes. So, Jose, first of all, how are you doing? Hello, Kian. Hello, everyone. And yeah, like you mentioned, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a comfortable performance to break down. And I also think, like, it also feels right to say that uh, if the game had not been comfortable for France, Tremeni would have played longer. I think here, part I think here, part of the reasoning is that okay, the game the game looks fine, and I don't think there's much uh, there was much that they need to worry about in defense. So it's like okay, Tremeni can can come off, and it also the thing is that uh, something that also looked interesting is that Tremeni is was more active in previous games when France pushed up and pressed a bit more because then he could help do those things but here France in general was more passive well let me let's break that down a little bit further because I'm interested in getting your thoughts on Poland I want to kind of start there because when Tremeni comes off it's only 1-0 he also has a yellow card to his name. So I'm sure that had to be part of the, the thought process of subbing him off. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the game state and who your opponent opponent is, 1-0 with 25 minutes left and your defensive anchor comes off for Fofana, who is the player that can be hit or miss. 
is a little bit risky, but maybe it was riskier to keep him out with the yellow card. But that yeah. begs the question, if, because effortless or not, it's 1-0. Did, is, is Poland just really disappointing and doesn't just doesn't pose a threat or worry or worry you or worry France? What are your thoughts on Poland? Do they disappoint you this tournament? I was surprised that they made it past the round of 16, past to the round of 16. Let's put it that way, because they uh, it's Poland is kind of a weird team to talk about because so they have they've had two main issues. One, their squad like is a bit unbalanced in the sense that they have like uh, a bunch of a, a bunch of decent center backs, then uh Leva on the other end, Lewandowski and another striker who's like budget Lewandowski, Milik. And then you have Selinski uh, uh, and, and a couple other box to box midfielders. And and sometimes and somehow you have to make sense of all that. And as a coach, you have to make sense of all of that, which is a bit weird. Like it's a bit of a weird unit to build the team around. Uh, which is why Poland, like the way Poland works, is that they do a lot of good defending in their box. You have Lewandowski on the other on the other box doing his thing, and then what happens in the middle of the boxes? Ooh, it's a bit of a mess. And that's kind of the story of Poland. It doesn't help also that they've had they've switched managers a lot. Like they've had this thing where like uh, before the 2018 World Cup, the manager decided to switch system. Didn't work. He switched systems in the middle of the World Cup. Then they go into the Euros like six months before they fire their manager and get a new one. And here, like nine months before the World Cup, they fire their manager and get a new one. So they also have this situation where they go into these tournaments changing systems or coaches. And then, yeah, it, it, it it's not a surprise that they don't look like they have much of a plan. Yeah, they just haven't impressed what, uh, much. And I think generally if you're... Part part of the reason, let's be honest, that they reached this far is down to your goalkeeper just pulling miracles yeah. out of his ass, and then relying on Lewandowski, who's like you, pretty much isolated in all these games. And even when yeah. he gets chances, he hasn't been that clinical with the Polish national team in this World Cup. Um, I have a I have a friend, a Polish friend that I play pickup footy with, and he was telling me like, "Man, I'm telling you, the worst thing that happened to us is getting out of the group stages." People, the 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 Polish the organization they think everything is okay because we made it this far. Like there's so many problems. We need a rehaul. We need a we need better tactics and so all that. Anyways, so there's that. So I I just want the reason that we got into all this is because you said you know too many came off and if France were maybe a little more uncomfortable, he would have stayed on and risked the whole yellow card thing. Because I I generally thought, and it's an interesting. This is kind of a debate about like you often have in, in the NBA. It's like if a player has five fouls in the fourth quarter, if he gets six, he's mm -hmm. fouled out. Do you keep him in and you trust him not to pick up the, the foul or does he play less aggressive? All this stuff like because he's trying to avoid the foul. I just thought in this game like mm -hmm. too many wasn't tested that much in transition was comfortable. Yeah. I even thought the yellow card he got was kind of soft. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was, it was a yellow card. I thought it was a soft yellow. I agree. To me, that was kind of a soft yellow. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of referees who wouldn't give a yellow for that one. Yeah. Um, 
so he gets the yellow anyway. He comes off. It doesn't it doesn't matter. By the end of it, France just comfortably blow away Poland in transition at the end. But let's rewind it a little bit to the beginning because you did mention Chumani's role at the top of the podcast. Do you want to elaborate on how France used him in this game? Was it different to previous games? Was it similar? How did you see his role play out on midfield? So I think in possession, it was similar when France had possession. I mean, the main difference of this game versus other games is that France had less possession than in previous games. Uh, and that's really the main that's really the main difference. But whenever France had the ball, it was a similar thing as we've been seeing in, in previous games. Ravio and Griezmann, both of them moving very freely, both of them moving also very aggressively into spaces. Um and then and then Tramani, I, I do and then I do also feel that Tramani in a way is taking like more responsibilities on ball. Like it's like something I feel like in previous games I was seeing like Griezmann and, and Rabiot come that like drop that drop deeper and go to the center backs to collect the ball. And something that I noticed in this game was that they were I felt like they're maybe I need to look at the numbers, but I felt they were doing it less often. And it was just like Tramani bringing the ball from deep and and of course he's just like very reliable when doing that i like that i'm in the last couple like in the last two games or so i've been seeing more of that of those tramani lob passes like he had a couple uh he had a couple good ch- good chances created from uh from the from doing those lob passes into the box so all in all uh i think tramani is looking like a bit I, like I, I felt like the first two games were a bit more timid from him on the ball. I'm seeing him more confident on trying like riskier passes to create chances in the last two games, which I think is quite positive, and I like that. Then, as far um, as far as defensive interventions, what I think is interesting is that France, well, they did not have the ball as often because they were more passive about recovering the ball, so they. Uh, uh, this time around, they were really like, we lose the ball, and instead of like pressing it back, we just retreat. And that means that, and that behavior means that players are not as active or challenging for the ball. So that's why many came, came out of this game with like very few defensive interventions on record. So I think it's only like one, like zero tackles and one interception, something like, like something like that. Like very little actual defensive interventions because France in general was not as aggressive defensively at in the group stage. And I think that's going to be the trend for France throughout uh, the knockout stages. They're going to be more conservative and just drop into a deeper block whenever they lose the ball. Well, to your point also about his involvement and taking on a larger role and having responsibility for perspective. He only played 65 minutes in this game and still had 80 touches. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much the most of anyone on the field. Only only Teo had more by one touch. He had more. The point is, I guess he he was very involved in dropping in the buildup and being involved in the buildup phase. And I, I also think like he just, I don't know how to describe this game other than that he was just a very solid performance. Like it wasn't otherworldly wasn't bad he just was really really good and reliable and i think that just also means that he wasn't like no one on poland really made his life difficult i thought he played really well yeah passed all his tests his distribution was good his coverage was good um on on both flanks 
he takes a stinging shot in the first half, which was really nice, forces a corner. As you said, a couple of nice balls over the top and into the box, into Giroud and co. And the, the, the yellow was soft. And even on the yellow, if you look, it's it's two France players getting split on the wing. And then he comes over with a pretty good challenge and, and gets called for a foul and, and then a yellow card. But I thought he just had a really good, reliable game, was available between the lines, played well. Um, and and, yeah, that was and usually whatever interventions Poland had were you like they were playing more through the wing. So it was kind of trying to go around him in defense like they were they were they weren't going to get through centrally. So. So why don't we just take this time? Because as I said, straightforward podcast, true many's performance. Why don't we take some time if you want to discuss other France things that caught your eye? I think. What caught my eye the most from France uh, this time around was just what I mentioned before, that they were more passive. I think the knockout stage plan will be more this, because I think the what, the version of France we saw in the group stages was a bit more fun, like a bit more, we have a bit more possession, we try to press and keep the ball a bit more. Um, knockout stage France doesn't care that much whether they have the ball or not. Like You can say they can still have some nice possession faces, but um, they are also very comfortable just staying back and hitting you on the counter. And I mean, the second goal was very typical Deschamps France. Like it was the old school Deschamps France, the one where they just, it's a counter situation. You send whatever long ball to you do, you do brings it down, gives it to the runner, the runners do their job. So that's, that's very old school France. And I think we're going to see a few more of those in the knockout stages because uh, I think that's going to be the plan. That's going to be the plan now, a bit less possession based. Uh, and that means that uh, I think a lot of, there's still going to be Tramani having impact with the ball, but we're going to have to put a closer eye on what he does off ball, how he defends the box, those kinds of things. Because now that France is more passive, we're going to see him defend deeper more frequently. And I, that's, that's actually an interesting bit because I think Tramani is best when he gets to defend going forward, pressing forward. I think there's still some growth, uh, like an area of growth for Tramani is still like, getting to that like Casemiro level of coverage where like in a deep block of knowing which spaces to cover and how to like perfectly screen, how to perfectly screen uh, midfield the way Casemiro did. So that's like in the defense, like when it comes to, to defensive things, that's the one area where Chameni is already good, but he could be almost perfect like, like Casemiro was. Casemiro, who, by the way, is just having an awesome tournament. Uh, it's been super fun to just watch yes. his performance. He's got to just shoehorn that in there. Uh, yes. Just watching him. I'm just happy for him. He's playing really well. Um, so how do you... Okay, so moving forward, because that, that effortless part of the France performance, it, it almost seemed like they didn't have to get out of first gear. Even if when you look at the third goal they scored in transition, I've never seen such a beautiful, effortless goal. Like, it, it, it almost seemed like they didn't even get out of first gear for that. Giroud brings the ball down, really clean first touch, plays it out wide to Dembele. Dembele make, just makes the correct decision in playing up that diagonal yeah. ball to Mbappe. Poland's defense all over the place. Has to be noted that Giroud, this is probably the last thing people will notice, but Giroud's run 
does drag a little bit of the defender away from Mbappe yeah. to clean up some space for him. And the shot from Mbappe was like, okay, I'm wide open, just going to score. Like it was so effortless and it beautifully placed. And and or sorry, I, I'm talking about the second goal, not third goal. And then the third goal obviously yeah. was incredible because he puts so much power bef- behind that shot. It's rare that you can put so much power on a on a shot that's curled to the far post. Usually you just get it right, but he just put his laces through it and just such a clean, clean hit. So 3-0, it just yeah. seemed like they didn't have to get that first gear. I wonder how much that changes because the way this tournament is set up when you look at the bracket, it kind of feels like the heavyweight stuff starts in the semifinals. With all due respect to everybody, if like, let's say everyone, everything goes according to plan and the favorites win, you get something like Argentina, Brazil in the semifinals. And on the other side... Oh, that's not true. Actually, France might get England if they if England beats Senegal. Yeah. So and, and then yeah, actually throw my whole theory out the window because Spain also may get Portugal. We'll see how that goes with respect to Morocco, who can definitely win that that tie as well. But how much do you think that that's one of the highest? That's one of the for me. That's one of the highest upset potential games in the in the round of sixteen because. Yeah. It's just the kind of defensive unit that can really frustrate Spain. And Spain doesn't quite have the goal-scoring punch to really... uh, Like, when they're in those kinds of situations and facing those kinds of blocks, they don't have the punch to to really get through them. So, mm, it's going to be trickier for Spain. And the pace on the wings in transition to get behind Jordi Alba, if, if, you know, if I could definitely see that. how much do you think you just assume England will test France in transition much more than Poland did, right? So I think yeah. you'll just we'll just have more obviously to talk about on too many after France England if that's the matchup. It will be interesting to see in that matchup, like who decides to take the initiative in in, in that one. I assume it will still be France, but like it's really funny because both are teams that especially in knockout stages they prefer to be really conservative and seat possession to the other team and now they get to face each other so in the end who's going to take the initiative i'm imagining that because of the kinds of the kind of midfield that they have i still think france is going to be the one who's going to take more initiative uh although i have to say that england press better than france so they might regain the ball more easily than France. So I am, that's the thing. I am curious to see who has more possession in this one because, yeah, England press better, but I think France has the better midfield to keep the ball. So we'll see what ends up happening. It will be, uh, let's hope it's not too close of a game or else we're going to be, because this would be like a candidate for like 0-0 going into pen and then going into penalties. But um. Just a note on Griezmann. I think you, I mean, you and I have talked about him a lot. This is the fourth France podcast we've done this World Cup. One thing that I also noted in this game, and I think part of the reason also you can put him in midfield, and I've already forgotten that Pogba's not here, Conte's not here, you know, I mean, Benzema's not here. They're doing it without three starters, really, if you think about it. All of this mm. shows how deep they are. But part of the reason why you can also put Griezmann in this role, and Griezmann's been unbelievable. He had another great game today. We spoke about his his role in this midfield and his ability to distribute and create. 
he also is so intelligent defensively and has been for quite some time. And he's just not a liability like that. You can put him there on, on defense. There were moments in this game where he's popping up at the top of Francis box with a slide challenge and just behind the ball. He's been excellent. He's been working hard. Just thought I would note that too. And and that maybe is part of, it's a testament to him for sure, but also maybe a testament to just playing under Simeone for so many years. That's just ingrained in him. Just wanted to point that out about Griezmann. He's been having a fantastic World Cup. And I and I think also yes, and I think needs to be noted. Yeah, I think well, I think Griezmann is one of those players who I think he always had it a bit in him, even since Real Sociedad days, but especially under Simeone. It's not just that he uh reluctantly accepts to defend. I sometimes he looks like he just likes defending. And uh and I find that like I find that interesting. Like I feel like I feel like he's the kind of player that at this point it's so drilled into him that a coach doesn't have to go and tell him like Antoine, you have to go to defend. He just does it. Like, because I'm pretty sure that with other like uh players that are considered star attackers, you have to go remind them. But with him, he just he'll just keep doing it because it's in like you said it's ingrained in him after god knows how many years of Simeone so he just does it and it's very valuable to have that in a team and the good thing is that he he has the work rate so he can go pressing but he also uh, the nice thing about playing in Atletico for so long is that you get you you get really good at defending spaces not just like pushing up forward and chasing your man, but you actually learn how to defend spaces behind you. So he knows how to do that too, which is a rarity from for for forwards. I'm I'm just happy also that he's playing well, in part because I like to see players succeed, but also because he was out of form for a while and also in limbo between two clubs. And now it seems like it's just nice to see him back because he's such a cerebral player. He has got high IQ. He's He's got talent. He's hardworking. And he's an asset to, to football and any team that has him. And it's just nice to see him be in a functional role at both club and international level. And God knows La Liga needs their superstars because the league is suffering from a... <laughs> from a star standpoint outside of the big two. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just nice to see him play at this level again. All right, Jose, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to put out there? Can be about the tournament itself, can be about the game itself, can be about upcoming games, or or do you want to put a bow on this? Nope. I'd put a bow on this. I think we've already, I've already discussed any, everything I wanted to discuss about Tramini. How we can discuss a bit about like what the preview of England and France looks like. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. France are looking solid. Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes I think this game was the more unspectacular for like because uh, France, I think in previous games was a bit more entertaining. Right now, this is a bit more conservative. This is probably the France we're going to see for the rest of the tournament, but it's looking solid. Sometimes, of course, because of their lack of pressing, it feels like opponents can get to their box more often than they do with uh with say Brazil but their box defending ha- has still been mostly solid this tournament so all in all it's a solid defensive unit that attack is inevitable and they're going to like the, the 
like the scary thing about that France attack, a bit like Brazil's too, is that they can kill you from stat. Like if you defend deep and try to make it more static, the game more static, tighter spaces, they're going to break you there. If you give them spaces and they counterattack, they're going to break you there too. So it's it's kind of an inevitable attack. It's pretty amazing also just that because a lot of this is, has to do with the fact that France played Poland today. And it's just amazing how the groups broke out exactly in a way where we didn't really get a heavyweight clash. You know, the yeah. f- lot of first, you know, quote unquote, first place teams finished second. And I hate, I don't even like saying that because it's really disrespectful to the other teams who have finished first and have got here. So I don't mean it in that way, but just on paper, we've avoided a lot of these matchups. Um, and just the way they broke the, the, the groups broke out are quite fascinating. So yeah, tomorrow we have, more edition action, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Militao. I think that's it. Can Casemiro, if you want to just k- pretend he's a Silamadista. Yeah. So we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be uh active on podcasts tomorrow as well. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to patreon.com slash managing madrid and catch us there as well because we're active on both feeds. You won't miss anything that way. Jose, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy England versus Senegal and take care. All right. Thanks for having me, Kian. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you around. Thanks for listening, guys. And before we let you go, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and specifically to our $10 plus patrons who do so much to support the show. And if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to every single bonus episode we do and get guaranteed responses to your questions, you also get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D., Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, uh, Oscar Barrera, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lex, Patrick Odiafati, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Magnus Lex, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P., Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are freaking incredible. Thank you so much for being part of this family. Thank you for the support. We love having you guys here and look forward to continually growing this podcast with you guys. Appreciate it. Take care and hala marit.